Welcome to the Social Chameleon Show, where it's our goal to help you learn, grow, and transform the person you want to become. Welcome. Today, welcome to episode 50. We made it. Thank you. Whether this is your first, 20th, or 50th episode, we appreciate you being here. Our mission continues to be, you know, providing valuable information and insights to help you continue your journey to learn, grow, and transform. We look forward to another 50 episodes, helping you folks and having you folks along for the ride as we continue to get better and to continue to explore topics to help not only us, but you guys on your journey to a better, more fulfilling life. Nice. Today, we're doing a book review. Book review. Anatomy of Leadership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Yes. A quick, quick summary of the book. <clears throat> Every leader must be ready and willing to take charge to make hard, cr- uh, critical calls for the good of the team, the mission. Something much more difficult to understand is that in order to be a good leader, one must also be a good follower. This is a dichotomy, a dichotomy of leadership. It is as authors Jocko Willing and Leif Bam explain in their best-selling first book, Extreme Ownership, simple, not easy. Now in the dichotomy of leadership, the authors explain the power inherent in the recognition of the first-line leaders that must walk, balancing between two simply opposing inclinations. It is, that, it is with the knowledge and understanding of this balance that a leader can most effectively lead, accomplish the mission, and achieve the goal of every leader in every team victory. Using examples from the author's combat and training experience in the SEAL teams, and then showing how each lesson applies to business and life, Willink and Babin reveal how the use of the seemingly opposite principles, leading and following, focusing and detaching, being both aggressive and prudent, require skills, awareness and understanding, and dexterity, all attributes that can be honed. These dichotomies are inherent in many of the concepts introducing extreme ownership and integral to the p- proper implementation and effectiveness. Uh, a little bit about Jocko. Uh, Jocko is a retired U.S. Navy SEAL officer. He's the co-author of the New York, number, New York Times bestseller, Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win. He's also the host of the top-rated Jocko podcast and the co-founder of Echelon Front. Uh, Leif Babin also is a former U.S. Navy SEAL officer, the other co-author of Extreme Ownership, and the co-founder of Echelon Front, serving currently as the president and COO. Nice. So this, this is the follow-on book to uh, Extreme Ownership. Um, and then in the book, it does say, they do state in the beginning, you don't need to read the first one. And Ransom, you never read the first one. Do you concur mm-hmm. with that? or? Yeah I, yeah, I do, actually. I kind of concur with that, that this book could be a standalone. I didn't read a single page off the first one and I kind of just picked up from where they go on. I guess this book kind of, I guess, states the weaknesses of the first book. Right. I'm not sure. Like for me, uh, you know, now that I've read this book, I kind of don't want to read the first book. Maybe. I don't know if that's kind of your take on it. Maybe, I mean, maybe they talked a little bit more in detail about, um, their strategies, or maybe they talked a little bit more in detail. Um, maybe some of the examples they gave were better. I don't know. What did you, did you get you know, that? I, I read both. And the way I, I view it is this is just an extrapolation on maybe some oversimplifications or some, some, some extremes that they found between the two, you know, you know, being on one side or the other of, of each of their core principles. Right. But were there any things in the book, the first book that were not in this book? Not that I recall. Okay. Okay. I think because of the, the core message is the same okay. in, in both books. 
So the stories are different. There's different stories in each book. Um, but I feel this book focuses more on the balancing of things versus yes. the first book probably focuses more on I'm the leader. I need to own everything and I need to, you know, I need to take charge of that. I don't, I don't know. That's just what, that's what I get from this reading this book alone. Yeah. Um, I definitely, the, the first book introduces the concept of extreme ownership. Um, each, each of the combat laws that they, that they, they base everything on. Uh, it, it goes into, I think a lot more detail in each of the different things versus this book. Yeah. Versus this book. Uh, I don't think misses much detail. It just extrapolates on these things. It gives you yet a war story. They give you the principle of that, that story. And then a business example that they have showing, um, the, the out of balanceness of the principle and then what they did to bring the principle back into balance. They, they don't do that in the first book, I guess. Not they, that I recall. It's just been a bit story. since I read the first one. Okay. okay. They just, they just, it's similar, similar outline, a war story. And then, and then a, 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 um, a business example, but um, it's more think, based on extreme ownership. Right. It's more based on extreme ownership. And then at the time, I think from my perspective, the, the balance was implied. Like it was implied that you don't be, on each, you don't be on the, you know, the end of the dumbbell per se, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You got to stay in the center versus throughout the years that since the book was published and the continuousness of working with businesses, they found that people were on the ends of the dumbbell per se. Yeah. And like, Wait a minute. You need to be in the middle of the dumbbell, not on the ends. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, that's, that's what I was saying. Like reading this book standalone, it kind of makes me don't want to read the first mm-hmm. one. So I don't know if you, if you like hardcore Navy SEAL stuff, then yeah. maybe you should read the first book first because mm-hmm. probably enjoy the first book and then read this one and enjoy it just as well. Yeah. Uh, my experience is I read this book, so I know the flaws of the first book. And I guess right. being a holder that I am, why would I go and read all the flaws mm-hmm. of the first book? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think from my perspective, I would recommend reading both books. I don't care which order you do it in. I don't think that matters per se. But what, what I look at it is, it's just another opportunity to, to learn these rules and laws, another opportunity to reread, in a sense, these different things to, to, to um, help you towards mastery of these different things, a greater understanding. That's the way I look at it. So I, I say read both. That way you have two opportunities at, at maybe, let's say, you know, four stories per, per lesson instead of maybe just two stories per lesson. More examples, maybe more relatable examples in one book versus the other, things that you are into or not. I don't know. I, I'm biased maybe about it. I don't know. That's the way I think about it. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, well. So I, I'd like to highlight, I guess, the four core um, competencies, I guess you want to say, the pillars that they use is called the laws of combat. So this is where they kind of draw everything from. Um, cover and move, simple, or or maybe in another term, kiss, keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, prioritize and execute, and then decentralize command. That's where they base everything from. So if you can, if you can uh, understand each of those things, you can really extrapolate them into different areas and say, like, where do I need this? And, you know, is this a cover and move type of situation? Is this, you know, do I need to prioritize the, the, the to-do list, you know, am, am I taking on too much? Do I need to decentralize things and empower others? That's where they come from. And the book is broken up into three different sections. So balancing people, balancing the mission, and then balancing yourself. So yeah. And then in each, each one, like in balancing people, like they'll give examples, they'll give like a war story, then a mm-hmm. business story. And then all, all of those stories, I think there's 12, 12 chapters in oh, all in the yeah. book. 
Mm-hmm. And then, so the first, um, you know, four chapters will be about balancing people. Then the next four and then the next four after that right. will be about the mission and then balancing yourself. And I, I don't know. I think this book actually goes to, together pretty well. So, yeah, they do. They do a really, in the, the, the flow is the same in the first book. They do a really good job at uh, the way they write, the way they think, the way they present things from step one to, you know, to, to 12, whatever you want to call it. In each of these, they do a really good job of delineating all that and building upon each thing builds and builds and builds and you don't get lost. There's not a lot of fluff. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I definitely love the way they piece together their stories and relate them to civilian experience mm-hmm. and business business experience, more to say. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, they just have some of the cool things in this book that I just like their voices do like yeah. their voices. Like they just, they sound hard. Like I've never right. seen them in person. I have no idea what they look like, but yeah. just listening to them. I was like, yeah. damn, these dudes sound hard. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got that, 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 uh, I guess they're going to say stereotypical, um, special forces type, you know, elite guy. Like, yeah, let's, let's get, you know, get somebody here. It's like, whoa, he's yeah. <laughs> all right. Jocko, yeah. I'll go do some pushups. The Jocko's yeah. a pretty big guy too. Uh, yeah. So. But that's just exactly like what they sound like, you know, yeah. and like even the beginning of the book, he's like, prepare to get some. I was like, yeah. oh, dang. <laughs> just the way he says it, you yeah. know? And they're like, and this was, a, this was an ongoing joke. He's like, the more nonchalant and casual you could say it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. a, like a flight attendant announcing overhead. Like, I was like, these guys, dude. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they got their own fun humor and stuff in there. What are some other things that you really stood out about this book for you? Um, I guess for me, I guess the whole, like, I like the confidentiality part about mm, it. Yeah. Obviously, in this book, they reveal information about either missions they were on mm-hmm. or training exercises that they had done. But, like, right at the get-go, you know, and I guess maybe that just adds to, you know, their hardness and all that. It's just like, you know, yeah, we we passed the book through the Pentagon or through whatever circumstances to make sure that no classified information was given out and all that kind of stuff. And even the seriousness they take into like the names of the seal members, like, Mm. you know, we only release the names of like the fallen, you know, or seals that are out there in the public eye already. And like, you know, I just, I fully, fully respect that. I guess my, my brother and my, you know, my family members are in the military. So I guess I just kind of take that to heart and know that, yeah, they're sharing information, but they are trying their best to protect the people who are out there now and, and doing that stuff. So I, I kind of really appreciate that and like that about the book, too. Yeah, that was a nice the, the level of of consideration it went to, because like, like we were saying earlier um, when we were chatting offline, you know, they could have easily, you know, flexed and said, look at these people I work with. Look at all these things I did. And like, and, you know, pretty brought whatever clout or something to themselves. And they're like, no, nah, it's not about that. It's not about the pulling these big names or pulling these big brands that we Yeah, yeah you're right. And even the business people, they didn't release any of the business information yeah. or who they, you know, they kept all of that very confidential. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's really awesome. Um, I don't know anything you liked about the book, I guess, or reading the audio book, which is my preferred way of reading it. it they did. And it's rare in audio books that have sound effects. And then they, they, they did, they did bombs dropping. They did machine gun oh, fire oh, sevens, and yeah, another day I was, I was driving uh, and I had my windows down and I didn't expect it. And I was driving and it. Was, I was, oh, <laughs> oh man. I was like, God dang it. It's an audio <laughs> book. Shit on me. Yeah. Wow. But just, you know, I guess that's just the effect that you can get from an yes. audio book that you can't get from actually sitting down and reading the book. You know what I mean? Like you don't just, yeah. 
you don't just hear the narrator be like, and there were live gunfire overhead. And mm-hmm. I mean, they definitely do get into some point and explain it and yeah. talk about it, but it's different. It's like, it's like, they don't say that. You just hear the fire pop, pop, yeah. pop, 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 pop. Nice. And then he's like, as shots rained out, like, it's like, you actually hear what they sound yeah. like. Yeah. It's really cool. It's yeah. Really that was, cool. that was a good part. I know uh, listening to his podcast, he was, he was talking about that, that the audiobook people or whatever, they don't really like that. They don't like putting the sound effects in, but they wanted to make sure he got, got that effect in. But it does, it brings some, you know, nice visceralness to the book and it brings the book really much more to life and you just hear this stuff and it catches you off guard too. It's just like, oh, yeah. whoa, what's happening here? I like, I enjoy it. I like it. I wish more audiobooks had those kind of sound effects yeah. and different things to, you know. Just those subtle, those subtle little differences yeah. make yeah. the audiobook experience that much more i agree yes absolutely so um you want to get into some of the key stories that we liked in, in this book and are you want to, anything else you want um, to talk about yeah definitely definitely i guess we can get into the reviewing part i guess enough enough about the hype i'm sorry yeah. for the first 10 minutes of the episode <laughs> get to what's in the chapters um i guess though i guess we'll go through a breakdown this is kind of gonna probably be a longer episode than most of you are remember, we haven't actually prepped it out and timed it out, but um, you know, we have a lot of more than our, and I guess our standard episode time has been like 45 minutes or so. Yeah, an hour or something. Just, yeah. just a heads up, this may be a little bit longer than that. Um, and in, in doing this, we didn't want to really give away every single thing the, the yeah. book has to offer. Um, I don't think I'm doing these stories justice because right. the way that they are put together in the book are just so awesome. Yes. And um, really getting that experience, like I said, with all the additional sound effects, the voices mm-hmm. of these of these seals, like you can just like that's a far better experience than what we're doing here. Yeah. Sorry, I, don't, I can't live up to that. But, you know, we, we did pick a few stories here and there, or I guess more than a more than a handful yeah. um, that we want to get to. That I think that will actually bring to light the good qualities of this book. And then from there, you can go and catch up and read up on um, many more of the other stories that are in there. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, prepare to get some. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Roger that. (laughs) So, I guess uh, the first story is is the business version in chapter one uh, about the the mining operation. That was... um, that's just one that it's, I mean, you start the book off with this guy. It's just like, what a great way to start the, the business, especially the business portion of that story. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So I guess, well, what was, how's the story go? I guess he was hired to help. Right. Right. Yeah. So I guess the corporate people uh, had Jocko go down to this mining operation. And, and, and as soon as he gets there, he's like, you know, the, the boss in charge, like, here's some other jackass doesn't know shit about mine. He's going to come tell me how to do my job. Oh you know, yeah, definitely. You know, so that's a vibe that comes in, right? Like if somebody's, you know, I guess he was losing money and they had to shut down a mine for whatever reason. And then all, you know, all these people came over and, and he just really kind of, it, it's just so awesome with, with all the experiences, especially Jocko's had, um, you know, being, being, being a commander, he, I guess he was an enlisted SEAL and then he went to become an officer and stuff. So he's got a really broad way of relating to people and, and, and getting down and dirty. And, and he just broke it down for this guy. Like, listen, man, like, who else is there better to care for these people than you? Like, if you're, if you're going to continuously fuck up, you're going to continuously run this mines into the ground. Like we're going to have the corporate guys are going to bring in somebody else and replace you. And they're just going to let guys go. And they're going to fire a bunch of people. He's like, so are you really taking care of these guys or are you, are you, you know, being selfish about it and, and not looking out for the whole good of yeah. everybody? And I could tell, I guess, from the way that the story was unfolding, like Jocko was like having a conversation with this mm-hmm. guy 
And, you know, this guy was just definitely like giving Jocko the cold shoulder, you know, he's like, he's like, Oh, these people work hard. And Jocko's like, yeah, I can tell from just watching them by a few minutes, like that they work hard. And he's like, you only watch them for a few minutes. You don't know who they are. And, he, and Jocko's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. He's yeah, like, yeah. He's like, take him back. Look, man. Like he's this, you know, could definitely tell that this manager had a great passion, a great love, not only for the mining industry, but for the people that worked in it for so long. Yeah. Um, and I think it finally took Jocko, like, you know, Jocko actually had to like stop being the nice guy. He's like, yeah. he says, no, I really do understand. And then like, you know, he's like, I may not be dealing with the people in the mining industry, but I understand about putting people's lives on the line to accomplish a mission. And like that, when he started going down that rabbit hole, he's like, look, I've been a SEAL leader. I've been, I put my men, my brothers, my family on the line. I risked their lives to accomplish the mission. Like I know what that's about. Then the guy finally like, yeah, was like, yeah, he finally understood me. He finally was listening to me for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like when you could get that relation in there, that was, I don't know, to me, that was kind of like heartfelt. I was like, Ooh, yeah. I was like, ah, yeah. like, I know it's like, I know it's like to have people's lives on a line, not maybe not jobs, but actual lives. Yeah. It's like, yeah. and I, and I, I think that's, that's a good thing about Jocko that from my perspective of, of him, you know, he's able to, to, to relate these things. Like, I don't know what it's like to be a farmer, but I know what it's like to be in a farm with Navy seals and guys shooting all around you. So I, I think we can come and find some common ground here and, and he's able to, to kind of diffuse things and, and become more relatable and not just this corporate consultant that comes down and doesn't know what the F he's talking about to, you know, show you how to run your job site or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's just kind of like, you know, and then just breaking that common ground. Um, mm-hmm. Jock was also able to be like, look, he says, look, you guys close one mine. How many, you know, how many jobs did you save from that first mine? I guess like, Oh, 147 and we kind of right. split them up and then he's like well how many other people do you have in all the other mines and he's like 600 right he's like so let me get this straight he's like you're you're risking the jobs of 600 people to save the lives of 147 people right. and like, that's kind of when it struck a nerve with that guy yeah. he's like Ooh. dang yeah and he's like and if you keep on this path we're gonna bring somebody in that doesn't care about those 600 jobs yeah, I like how he did that too. Yeah, yeah, because it's nice because you 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 kind of pulled the guys harsher. He's like, listen, if you care about these guys, truly care about these guys, like you've got to think about them as a whole, not you know as, as you know one individual, one individual. You know, you, you can't sacrifice the whole ship, you know, just for one guy. And it's really nice how he he related to it, and then and then the manager got it, and he's like. But let's trim down. How, he, how many, he wound up not even trimming down that many people. What? No, did he, I think he ended up letting eighty people go. Right. So there you go. So most of those guys kept their job that came over that really could have easily all of all been terminated. Yeah. And then, you know, he let 80 people go. The mining operation went back into the black, mm-hmm. and, you know, the manager didn't like what he had to do. Right. Yeah. And he obviously right. cared about every single person there, mm-hmm. which is so hard to do. And you know what I mean? But I, I Jocko put it, you know, great. And then this quote, he's like, you know, he's like, you have to, you know, um, care about the people, but still be able to accomplish the mission. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there are unavoidable consequences for the troops that are on that mission. And failing to balance those two opposing goals would result in your failure to do either of them. I was like, I was like, ooh, yeah. I was like, that's that's kind of harsh there. That, yeah, that's tough. I, I've been in companies where it was like that, and it's like you're 
dragging down the whole ship to make a few harsh, you know, a few hard decisions. It's like you're sacrificing all of us, this whole company, everything is here. So you, you don't lay off 10 guys or cut costs or something that here and there, you know, and it's stressful as the employee, like you're just every day, like, is my paycheck going to be cashable? Like, you know, are we going to have work tomorrow? Like if we keep going down this road, like, and, 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 and especially, I think it talks about a lot in the first book when you're not transparent, you're not telling your, your, your employees or your, your the people that you're leading what's happening, what's going on. There's this fear and this rumor mill starts. And I've been around that, you know, especially during the recession, uh, was it 2008 oh, yeah. or whatever. And it's like, this is just this rumor mill because the people at the top, they don't know what's going on. They're panicked and they're not talking down and t- telling anybody. And you yeah. just have this, this fear. Like, do I come to work tomorrow? Like, is anything going to happen? Or, you know, do I waste my time driving in? Like, or, or what? So, yeah, yeah, breaking that down yeah. and, and getting that. And that's, it takes a special. Sorry. Sorry for those of you. I've just been uh, a little sick uh, <laughs> this past few days. But anyway, we're going to accomplish the mission and, and get through it. Right. So. But yeah, um, and it just it just takes a, a special kind of person to understand that dichotomy, right? Of yeah. like jeopardizing the mission versus, you know, knowing when to to let go. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's tough. Yeah, and, yeah, especially when you get into like that sunk cost fallacy where you're like all this time and money and effort's been put into it. it's like we gotta keep going because we've already we've already done all this stuff. And it's like versus that money, that time is gone already. Like we can't continue doing this as we go forward. It's just gonna be more of the same <clears throat> knowing when to cut your losses and all this stuff. That's super hard. Yeah. Yeah. And so, the, and so I, one of your favorite stories, I know that for sure. Uh, chapter yeah. five, uh, train hard but train smart. Big ball is down. Big ball is down. Yeah. So this is one of my stories that I just kind of want to share and talk a little bit about. Uh, but I guess the story opens up. They're in hostile territory, explosions all around, incoming rounds from multiple directions. Again, like in the audiobook, like you hear it. It's like, yes. <laughs> like it's like, oh, dude, it's so awesome. Um, but, you know, they're pinned down by enemy fire. One of their Humvees is inoperable. And then all of a sudden you hear over the radio, oh, Big Walt is down. Big Walt is down. And it's like, Oh, like at that moment, like with every, you know, just the audio sounds and everything being explained again, I'm sorry, I'm not doing it justice, but, um, you know, you can kind of, again, feel your heart tugs. It's like, damn, you're on a team. And big Walt was like, he was the guy that made all the tough calls and that rallied the troops in the thick of the fight. Like this was your, this is your, your go-to guy. And now he's done. Yeah. And like, you're in you're in basically the shit house right everything chaos all around you and the second command right the lpo who's, who's on there is like he's trying to get things over the radio where is everybody let's regroup and like nobody's answering on the radio nobody's moving nobody's making any type of calls whatsoever just the enemies are making movements and just making the situation even worse by the minute like it's like oh you could like feel the tension like building up there and then like even like some of the younger guys like come on man somebody make a call here somebody we need to do something somebody make a call here and it's like oh like you feel it and then like sorry spoiler alert but uh, (laughs) luckily this was just a training exercise yeah they weren't actually like in real battle or real combat situation like thank goodness right because that just sounds like something that's headed for catastrophe you know It's like there were no live fire. They did use grenade simulators, though, which was kind of crazy. Those are fun. And then from there, um, you know, they had paintball rounds instead of live fire. But still, I mean, even paintball, it's like you get welts and stuff from those, not 
Yeah. Not saying it's anything like taking a real bullet, but no. it does have applied pressure to it as well. So, you know, with all of that going down, um, you know, um, they kind of, I guess at that point, after they explain it's a training exercise, they kind of just back the story up a little bit to kind of go over the details. And this particular training, uh, was put in purpose to, to make, I guess the junior leaders of the team kind of step up. Right. And, and Leif and Jacko had been talking, um, before this exercise started and they're like, dude, big Walt is dominating this game. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this, this, this group here has a lot of success due to big Walt, but we need some of the junior leaders to step up. Mm-hmm. So both of them agreed that, Hey, in this next exercise, we're going to manually take big Walt out. So after the Humvee went down or whatever, they went up to big Walt and they're like, sorry, brother, you're out of this exercise. And big Walt was like pissed. He's like, yeah. what? He's like, you're out. You can't make any commands. You can't do anything. Go to the Humvee. And like, Big Walt's like, all right, that's not fair, but okay, whatever. Well, then from there, like they just took him down and then just kind of watched as the whole like situation just like unraveled. It's like, damn, that's kind of crazy. You got anything to add to that, I guess? Or you want to tell me? No, no, not really. I love this story. I'm enjoying this story for a a fourth time. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's cool so anyway um so without that um the you know just it showed that all of the junior leaders that were on that team they got uncomfortable right it's just like hey we're living a good life we got a good leader Mm -hmm. we have to run with that and you know for this particular thing when they took him out of the exercise you know everything went to hell Mm -hmm. so i guess i kind of want to just go down i guess how it went down so What they also have to consider is that, you know, when training people, right, this is, this is uh, Leif and Jocko, they also took into consideration when training people, like you have to balance that training. Mm-hmm. If your training is too easy, right, and doesn't stretch, stretch the capabilities of the participants, you know, they're not going to learn much. Right. And on the opposite end, if your training is too hard, right, I mean, you want it hard enough to apply pressure to decision makers, but if it's too hard that it overwhelms the participants to the point where they can no longer function, mm-hmm. like you, you, the learning from that exercise just greatly, greatly gets diminished. Like you just, it's just like you're, you're going up against this rock wall and you can't really get over it. And, right. you know, they understood that in the exercise. Mm-hmm. So after seeing all the confusion and chaos, that went on with that. And they're like, okay, this has gone on for too long. Both of them agreed. It's like, okay, it's time to bring big Walt back. So they went up to him and like, okay, big Walt, you're back alive. And I got to do like a Phoenix rising from the ashes. I started laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? And then from there, like just, just that simple. Like, I think they said it was like a matter of minutes. Big Walt stepped yeah. onto the field. He's like, everybody consolidate to this building now. Like, shouting and yelling mm-hmm. and like pointing to the building and everybody could hear him everybody you know and again to me i kind of take to note like the details that aren't spoken mm-hmm. it's like, if this is a team that's used to that leader like in moments like that they will be looking for his command because that's what they were actually waiting for mm-hmm. and soon as he said something or you know just a little glimmer of his voice like mm-hmm. coming back like i'm pretty sure they all perked up and they all like snapped out of their trance and like they saw a way to victory. So with that, he regrouped everybody. They regrouped at another building. They got a head count. 
and then they went through with the mission, which was really awesome. And then I think at that point, I, I guess the whole point of that, going back to the balance thing, is that they needed Big Walt to come alive so that they could teach the LPO about that. Otherwise, they just would have got so defeated and not learn from the situation at all. I mean, I don't know, Tyson, you ever been in those situations where... Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and, it, and it's hard. And, and that's the thing that they really, I think... Um, they emphasize in the book too, the, the guy that was in charge at the big wall was down. He was trying to use the radio and trying to call over his guys and it wasn't working. And, and he just kept doing the same thing over and over and over. And, and it's, if you've ever been in, you know, a, a loud chaotic situation when, when you're, you're just in that kind of fight or fight mode and that survival mode and somebody's trying to talk in your ear, you're just not hearing it. It's just not something you're, you're hearing is all this chatter and all this different stuff. And versus what big Walt came out and did, it was like, He's like, just listen up. And it's just like, oh, everybody's like, oh, what's going on? You know, it's that, that pattern interrupt that just, just comes and happens. And it's like, and, and that's what they, I love how they use that. Like, we know Big Walt can turn us around and teach everybody a lesson here. And like, that's what like the objective was. And I, 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 don't know, I really enjoyed that part of the story. Like, it, it just shows a show, you know, that, you know, some, something like that, some situation like that, you know, not, 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 they could have easily let those guys get beat down and just gone off after and just yelled at them and let say, you guys are stupid. This thing, you're not listening. This is instructions. Like versus saying, watch what happens. Like here it is. Like watch yourself in the moment, just switch and shift. And everybody learned from the story anyway, such this great lesson. Like, Damn. Okay. I get it now. Yeah. And then from there, I think the way that the story ended was great too, because they brought him back to life. And from there, Big Walt actually did something. Right. Versus them like ending the exercise in failure. Right. And then be like, oh, you know what could have happened? Right. Oh, you're just saying that that could have happened. No, yeah. like. It no way it could have happened. Happen. Yeah. And it's like, it actually did happen. Right. It's like, And that's where the lesson is. And that's the thing yeah. I liked about that training scenario. It's like, damn, the lesson was practical in the moment. Not right. after the facts in the classroom on a PowerPoint slide. You know? Yeah, exactly. And it's something that w was generated from within. They didn't they yes. didn't add to that. They didn't tell him what to do. Like yes. he just stuck stood up and did his normal thing mm -hmm. and pulled everybody out of it. And I think a big lesson from that is that it teaches people that, hey, look, when the shit is thick and like you're in this predicament that seems unbearable and mm -hmm. seems unaccomplishable. All it takes is for one good person to step up and do something and that will turn the entire of the entire situation. And I think that that, I think that that's an awesome lesson. Yes. And that person can be you no matter what position you're in. That person can be you. Yeah. It just takes one person to stand up and, and stop the chaos to, 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 to make a call, to make a command, to do something. It just takes one person to do that. And that it doesn't have to be somebody in charge. Like they kind of sh showed in that story. It was, you know, the guy that wound up, being in charge at the big wall was down. He couldn't, he didn't know, dude, he know how to make that decision. Yeah. So the, and the other, and I think the lesson learned by the others was it doesn't have to be big wall. It doesn't have to be the guy in charge. It could be me. I could have made that call. I could have made that decision. Yeah, exactly. And there may have been some, some junior guys on there that were thinking the exact same thing, but they didn't do anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Am and I allowed to make this call? Like this isn't my, I'm not my rank or whatever, my position in the squad. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, you never know. Yes. And then in that one too, they talked about, I mean, this wasn't the training exercise with Big Walt, but they also talked about when, um, when, when Leif and Jocko were out on an FTX and it's like, mm -hmm. they talked about this one scenario where it was like a Black Hawk Down scenario. And this is kind of where they learned that, hey, you know, defeat 
it's is usually the best trainer, but not always when you just get so defeated. And basically they were in there and they had to operate this freaking mechanical saw and it took like several minutes or something, right? Yeah, they had the the steel plate they had to cut through to get to the thing and um and there was no cover at all. Basically right. just choppered down in the middle of the street. The guy operating the saw had no way to cover himself. They didn't have enough people mm-hmm. to cover all the positions on the building and they just got hammered with paintball yeah. after paintball after paintball. And instead of those instructors like calling it quits and just like coming out with a positive solution, they just let it go on. Like, and as like a they learned nothing. That's what they're saying. Like, like we're so defeated. It's like, really, did we learn anything from that situation yeah. at all? It's yeah. like, we really need all of these paintball rounds, like to get the point, like, okay, yeah, this is a crappy position. This sucks. That's pretty much, I mean, luckily they pulled some positiveness out of it. Yeah. And something. But, you know, in most people in that situation, it's just, it wouldn't be a great call. And they, from that experience, that's where they figured out, hey, you know what? Let's, let's let Big Ball get up in here mm-hmm. and let's, let's end on a good note so that we can actually take some learning away from this training. I think that's, I think that's also a very good key quality of any leader. Like know what's going on with your training and know like when it's being like the training that you're doing defeats the purpose of what you're actually trying to accomplish. Good lesson. Yeah. <clears throat> that's the thing in that, in that, you know, Black Hawk Down uh, story. I think the only reason there was a lesson learned was because from my perspective of the story was Leif had enough self-awareness, you know, to say like something needs to be learned from this. There's got, there's an opportunity to learn here. And, and, and what he said was, I, I learned that I need to know when to, to, to stop and retreat and then regroup instead of staying there and, and just getting, you know, in, in real combat situation, we have all been dead in instant, you know, in, in a matter of seconds. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I, I learned that, I need to know when to abort the mission to, to, to fall back. And it's okay to do that. He's like, but the instructors didn't give us that opportunity. We could have easily walked away from that saying, this is stupid. These guys are dumb. That's not true. That's not real. And nothing would have been learned. Like, but because I think Leif had that, that, that self-awareness or whatever it was that he had in that point to say, listen, these guys did a shitty job training, but what can we walk away from this learning? Like, even though they didn't teach us this lesson, we've got to find a lesson here to learn. And that's where I think the key in that was. And then they learned also when it's our turn to train, we know that this does nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else about that story, uh, that chapter? Or? Nah, dude. I think that's the, I think that's the, you know, the combat part of that. I mean, you guys will have to read to hear the business side of that story. But anyway. Right. It's like leading it on. Huh? There's good I stuff there. We, I guess we could talk about chapter six, I guess the business six. section of it, because you seem to like that. I did like that. That was one of my favorite. Uh, chapter six, aggressive, not reckless. This was good. The business story. Uh, Jocko came into this company. They were growing. The CEO had brought them in to do some training and stuff. And 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 then she was like, oh, yeah, Jocko default aggressive. He's like, he's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And with this thing, <laughs> And then he left the meeting. He said, oh, I love this. She's awesome. She's just aggressive. I love it. And then he's like, wait a minute. Am I too close to this? Like, <laughs> I fall in love with her attitude and, and, yeah. and this, this thing. Yeah, opinion, starts, opinion bias. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Confirmation bias. Exactly. And it's like, and then he, but he had the, that, that wherewithal to, to say, wait a second. 
let me step back a little bit. Am I missing something? Or am I just in love with this attitude and this person? And then he's like, wait a second. I think something's, something's off here. Like, I think she's getting a little too aggressive. Yeah. She's too hard. And then he kind of dug into this thing. He's like, you know, she used all her savings to buy the business from the previous owner. And that previous owner really wasn't uh, doing anything with the business because he was getting ready to retire. So the cash flow was down. He's like, so I was like, oh, wait, money's strapped. Like, you got these big plans, but there's no money to fund this stuff. Yeah. And he's like, listen, hey, uh, go get, get, a, get a sales projection together. Get a plan together. Like, and I'll meet with you guys and let's go through this. And he's like going through the stuff and he's like looking at it. He's like, all right, okay, I see, I see. And he's like, wait a second. Did I say those are stretch goals? <laughs> and then she's like, well, I mean, yeah, they are. But well, we, can, we can accomplish them because when we get to this point, we're going to have this team. We're going to have this stuff. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> but you can't afford this. Yeah. Now. He's like, and you, you think, he's like, well, yeah, but we get a sales team together. He's like, whoa, whoa. You're basing these on like people you've never met, you've never hired, that you've never yeah. trained are going to come in and hit these goals off the top. You can't afford for that not to happen. And she's yeah. like, yeah, but default aggressive. He's like, I know, I know. Hold up. I like that. I like that, but not yet. Hold on. Like, let's focus your aggressiveness. And then he walked through the thing when he talked to her about it. And he's like, listen, like, you got to be default aggressive. I get that. I love it. But it's like, you're focusing that aggressiveness in the wrong place. He's like, you're putting your company and these people's lives in jeopardy because you can't, if you go move into this new building, that's going to be half empty from the get go. You're not, you're not going to be able to afford that. Your overhead's going to go up. You can barely afford what you have going on now. Yeah. And he changed your focus. And she was like, dang, you're right. Like let's put a plan together to stay aggressive, but not live in some fantasy land, not live in hopes and dreams and wishes. Yeah, and not be reckless. Yeah. Not be reckless. And then after she was like, and she, she, she went, she's like, I heard, I heard you saying Jocko. She went back. She's like, I like with this. She's like, I'm just applying my aggressiveness now to being lean and mean and making this thing operate as, you know, as, as, as efficiently as possible. So she still has, was able to take that aggressiveness, but focus it in the right, correct way. I was like, I just, I just love the way that all played together. Yeah. It's like, I think that was the first time you mentioned like contingency plans. He's like, you know, if this yeah. doesn't go according to plan, yeah. like you're not going to make this. Like, yeah. I was like, Ooh. and I, and you know, the, I, I think I like, there's a couple of these I really like because that that's, they're my weaknesses. Like these are the things I don't do. I don't like contingency plans. I don't make contingency plans. I don't, I'm like, everything will be fine. And it's, it's not gonna be fine. Tyson. I know it's not gonna be fine, but when we get there, I'm good at improvisation. I'm good at being on the fly. I'm good at those things. And I don't do those things. It's nice to, to have other people around me that are like, listen, we yeah. need to have things. What if this doesn't go to plan? Like, what are you going to do? And it's like, it's nice to have those, but still, I think that's why I like these. Cause I relate to them. Yeah. It's if there's one person that's reckless on this video, <laughs> we'll have to say, <laughs> not going to mention any names. Default <laughs> reckless. <laughs> <laughs> oh. that, but that's, that's the things I like to learn. It's like, cause I, I'm feeling her too. I'm like, I'm feeling this. Yeah, yeah, let's do this. Like, let's go expand. Get that new building. Get the stuff going. Like, yeah. That's like, but not thinking like, we can't afford this shit. Like, you're going <laughs> to yeah. burn this shit to the ground. Like, stop. Let's let reality set in for just Yeah, yeah. But what about the real world? <laughs> what about the real world? For real people live. I like fantasy land, dad dang it. But, <laughs> but that's just my... I'm, I'm that optimistic. Like we'll figure shit out. We'll make things happen. Like that's just me, but it's nice. But I know this, like I, it's taken me a long time, but I figured out like, that's my default default reckless. That's me. Like I need to find somebody that's, that's default Tyson 
simmer down for a second and let's think about this. Like, and, yeah. I, and I know the people around me that I can say, listen, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what's happening. This is my thoughts. Like, where's the holes? Yeah, that's good, though. I mean, it's just kind of like every reiterates, you know, one of your, I guess, inherent dichotomies that you need to balance, right? Right. It just kind of, again, brings that front of mind and helps mm-hmm. you realize, hey, this is this is a story that sits well with me. This is one that I need to take away from and one that I need to focus on and just kind of be a little bit more like this yeah. or, you know, maybe not so much strengthen your weakness, but find somebody else that can help you with that weakness yes. and all that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of stuff I love about this book is like, no matter what stories you're reading is whether it's the training story or the war story or the business story, like mm-hmm. you can definitely find lots of examples in this book on, all the dichotomies they talk about and how they can balance it. Like it's, it's really awesome. Really awesome. Yeah. Any, any other points in that story you wanted to emphasize? I, know, I just, I just, yeah, I, I know that's your story. I just let you, I just love that story. It's one of my favorites. So I was just like, oh, I'll let you go. It's like, you let me go a bit while. Yeah. Favorites too. yeah. And then, uh, so with that, I guess we can go to the next chapter. So up until this point, we kind of just been doing one or the other. Uh, yeah. But for chapter nine, I think Tyson and I both agree that we kind of wanted to go over both the stories in this one. Yeah, the um, war story and the business the version. And the business story. And this will kind of give you a little bit more insight on the book on, you know, how it actually flows together, um, so on and so forth. So I guess for the war story, um, you want to you wanna talk about the first, the first part of the war story? <laughs> With the freaking lasers because you like that part but yeah like and that's the thing when we were chatting offline about this you know like you know i think the laser is not important i'm like no the laser is important so what uh, happened was they're, they're on this mission they're going on the thing and the, the uh, it was a point man or whatever it was his yeah. laser uh sight was the batteries yeah. are dead that, that point man was chris kyle by the way yeah motherfucking hero shout, shout out to him uh but anyway but and then and so leif was like fucking dummy like come on like you gotta know we're going on a mission like we're at night we're on the water like you need that laser like you should have changed your batteries you gotta know but he didn't he didn't he didn't berate him about it he's just like all right listen okay we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta make an adjustment to this and then and then they're going and they're 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 going to the 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 town and it's like all of a sudden chris stops and Lake's like i already know like i don't even need to know nothing he's like i know he can't shoot because he don't got his laser so he's like, yeah. but I know what's happening already because we've done all this training. We've been so close together. He stopped. There's somebody there. And he can't shoot at him. Yeah. And, and so they comes in and they just take, they take it over, you know, and like that, that to me, the way he handled that situation, he didn't get down on this guy. He let him go. He knew that, you know, they know like, okay, we don't have the laser, but we, we know how to train. We know how to, to, to go yeah. through these things. We have contingencies and, and Chris, and then later on, Chris goes and he, um, he picks out a, a, a good vantage point that winds up being the key to, to, to the whole mission success. And I think because Leif didn't berate him and beat him down, he was able to still be confident and say, I have an idea and I can present this versus my view is if Leif beat him down about this fucking laser battery thing, he would have been in, in the situation later on saying, well, I fucked up earlier. I sh- I'm not going to be able to speak up. There's no trust here. And, and that would have been just, you know, who yeah. knows what the mission would have been a possible takes, disaster. Yeah, I think it takes two on that part, too, because, yeah. you know, at the same time, um, Chris Kyle was saying, hey, look, my laser is out. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, he was just thinking about himself. But at the same time, Leif is thinking about the whole mission. He's like, dude, right. we're in the middle of nowhere right now. Like, we need to get to a secure place now. 
mm-hmm. like without your laser. And like Chris Kyle was reluctant to, you know, to go on with the mission, but you know what I mean? He understood at that point, he needed to be a follower and just say, all right, Leif's in charge. I don't like this situation, but I'm going to go ahead with it. And at the same time, Leif took that initiative. He's like, Hey, look, my, one of my guys is without a laser sight right now. He's basically without a gun. So I need to pay attention to him and look for his body cues. Like Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of a a really good thing. And he picked up on his body cues right away. He went right behind Chris Kyle and, and backed him up instantly, which is amazing. And, um, you know, from there later on in the mission, like Tyson was saying, they got to a point where they needed to pick an outpost and seeing as how Chris Kyle had more experience on the, on the ground, Chris Kyle was like, I like that building over there. And Leif was like, I had a different building picked out. I'm not sure what's going on, but because Chris Kyle had more experience. Mm -hmm. And I also think is, you know, like you said, that laser story He's like, damn it. I let Chris go for so long without this laser. Like, it's like, maybe he's like, and I didn't listen to him back then. I should have let him change his batteries earlier. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, maybe I should listen to him now. Like, I don't know. I always wonder about that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, You got to wonder, but it's like, "Mm, did that, I was like, is there something else there? Yeah, was crazy? that the catalyst? Yeah. It's like, that's the thing. Leif was able to, to, to recognize that and say, instead of saying, well, now I've got to micromanage these little fucking children because you can't keep batteries fresh. Oh, you know, yeah, like, true, I can't trust you to do this now. This is, no, I've got to take over this. He was like, no, listen, you're the guy with the most experience. You're the point man here. Like, you, you, you see something, let's check it out. Like, all yeah. right. And yeah. Even a chance to, I think to, to me that, to redeem himself a little bit too. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Like yeah. I said, that's the kind of stuff in the book like that's not written. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe in some La La Land, maybe Leif will be watching this video and he'll be like, <laughs> you guys are on to something. <laughs> anyway, who knows? Who never yeah. knows? But, but anyway, that Chris's recommendation ended up being the best call. Yeah. I think from that position alone, he said they had like 21 confirmed sniper kills mm-hmm. and many other possibles. Um, and it's just like, you know, at that point, an instance when he actually listened to his support in it, like, you know, I mean, he, he took a hit. I mean, maybe he didn't even take a hit on his pride, but no. basically it's like, it's not showing he's a weaker leader. Actually, it shows he was a stronger leader. And because of it, the team was, the team and the mission were far more successful. Like, it's crazy. That's the core message I love about this thing. It's like, He's not worried about his ego or his reputation or whatever uh, by taking command from somebody that's lower ranked than him, but more, more experienced than he is. Like he's okay with that. And that is what I think. And, and I know he, they allude to it a little bit is what makes them good leaders. What makes them have respect from their team? Like, you know, when your plan sucks and my plan's better and we're going to go with the best plan, the best outcome, the, the best person for this job, no matter rank or position or whatever it be. And then adding on to that, I guess Leif goes into a little flashback, Mm -hmm. a tangent runoff about um, when they were in some other training operation and there was another SEAL there who had more ground experience Mm -hmm. and there were confusion about which SOP they were going to follow. And then like, you know, Leif and this SEAL, they kind of got into it a little bit. And the guy's like, you know, I think this, I think my SOP is better. And Leif's like, but I just put one out. It's going to cause confusion. And, you know, Leif even went on to admit, he's like, the differences between the SOPs was like irrelevant. Right. I mean, he just thought at that point he was a young leader. 
he thought this was a, a you know, a pissing contest. They got to right. measure, see who's longer. Right. And like, Leif grew impatient and like, he's like, I need to demonstrate I'm in charge here. So basically he just told the seal, he's like, this conversation is over. And like, after that, Leif felt bad. He's like, dude, I just used the weakest form of leadership to win this argument. Yeah. And he's like, the weakest form of leadership is to win something by rank or position. You know, and then what do they call it? Like rocks is a rank or something yeah, like yeah. that. And rank always he, wins. You know, junk kind of poems like rank always wins. Yeah. The kids call it dynamite, whatever. Right, yeah. God or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like rank always wins that argument. There's no, there's no consultation. There's no nothing. It's just basically you do what I say. Yeah. And then, um, you know, they felt bad about that instantly. And then he was eventually able to make up with that officer and, you know, that petty officer. And at that, that point in moment, he realized, Hey, you know what? I could have shown that I was a stronger leader by listening to this guy who had a little bit more experience Mm -hmm. when, you know, and overall it could have helped. And that flashback, right. Is kind of what allowed him, helped him make that decision with Chris Kyle and be like, all right, we'll go with, we'll go with your plan and uh, we'll, we'll go through with that. Mm -hmm. So, and that was one of the, the, the great lessons I learned from the first book uh, that if you, if you're, if your answer, the only thing you can think of is because I said, so like you have a weak position, you don't even understand why that is. And that's something I've, I've evaluated within like myself. Cause I catch myself saying that sometimes, especially to my kids and stuff. Like, why do I do this? Uh, fuck because I said, so just get it done. <laughs> and it's like, and it's, and that's the answer because I have no fucking clue. Yeah. And that's the thing that he said. He's like, you know, and then they say, they, they allude to it again here. I think they talked a little bit more about it in extreme ownership, but that was a, to me, one of the key lessons is, is if that's what I think I need to re- reevaluate why, why yeah. I'm why thinking this. Yeah, so and I, I have a, I have a weak position on this thought. Yeah. So I, then, I really, really enjoy that. And even in this chapter, he goes on further to say like right before the business story, he talks about the principles Mm-hmm. He's like, a leader's got to be willing to follow and recognize when junior leaders have the ability to step up and take charge. He's like, good leaders will always allow junior leaders to step up and, and do something. And not only will they allow them to step up, but to also give them credit for it. Right. But you're going to see those weak leaders out there, like take credit for stuff that's not theirs. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then they're going to pull that rank thing on you. You know, it's like as a as a good leader and or as a good follower, like you should execute things, you know, as they be. But, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, it's just when you got somebody who's a, a leader above you, that's either less aggressive or unconfident or uncharismatic, whatever the boss from hell, whatever, whatever the case might be, you know, it's just like you, you got to deal with that. And that kind of leads into what the next story is um, about the boss giving um, his immediate boss giving him a, a crappy review. Guess you want to take that? You want me to talk on this part or what? Oh, well, we can go between it. Yeah, this was, uh, Leif was talking about, he had a friend in, in New York City that was looking for one-on-one things and they had kind of stopped doing that. Yeah, at and, that time. And he's like, decided to, you know, kind of take him on and and he went through and, was, you know, talking about like, you know, my, this new boss, he, you know, he hates me, we just can't get along. And, <laughs> And, and it's, it's, it's affecting, it's affecting my guys' bonuses and their paychecks. And then he gives me this bad review. He's like, this motherfucker, I just had it with him. Like, well, how do I get rid of this guy? What do I do? And then. Yeah, I think, 
Okay. His initial response was like, oh, we don't offer it. Yeah, right, right. And I think that guy's name was Jim in that story. And Jim was like, he's like, well, dude, I really want this. And I'll, you know, I'll make it as inconvenient to you. I'll come out to meet you. Mm-hmm. We'll do lunch or something like that. And um, I think it also had something to do with like Leif had affinity with this guy too. He's like, dude, I feel this guy. He's yeah. like, he's a, he's a competent leader. He's smart. Mm-hmm. He's aggressive. He's driven to like accomplish things. So kind of, they've kind of made a little exception on the spot yeah. to meet with him about it. So, you know, it's kind of some of the background stuff behind it. <clears throat> yeah. But, I like how they, you know, went through and Leif, you know, kind of working and talk to him about it. He's like, listen, like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be this guy, that's the buffer between your boss and your team, like, You've got to, you know, maybe this guy is wrong. Maybe he's, he's, uh, he's scared of you. He's intimidated by it, by you. You know, he's like a lot yeah. of times when, when you, your boss, you know, is looking to, to kind of undercut you, it's because he's scared of you taking his job or something yeah. along the lines. He's like, you got to recognize this. Like, listen, man, like if you keep going at this, it's just going to get worse. It's like, yeah. You keep coming at your boss. You keep giving him shit. You go above to his boss. You try to throw him under the bus. Like it's just going to get worse. And the people that are going to suffer are the people that you're in charge of. And it's yeah. just like, ooh, and like, and that's the kind of part too where Leif had experience too, because he even yeah. mentioned it. He's like, yeah. believe it or not, he's like, there's bad leaders in the military too. He's like, mm-hmm. everybody understands this fallacy that the leader has all these great military leaders. He's like, that's not even true. He yeah. says, there's just as many bad leaders in the military as there are in the civilian world. Right. And he's like, it's like you gotta recognize and understand that. Yeah, sure, you're gonna fight over this one little dispute about your review that you have mm-hmm. and that's going to cause you so many more problems down the line and Leif was just telling him from experience he's like look I am exactly like you I've had this problem before and I, this is what I've done and it's just made things worse for me and that's what's going to happen to you I was like dang yeah this is kind of he's just like laying it on thick dude and, and I like how he they kind of concluded with uh like listen like Go, go back to your boss, like earn his respect. Like, even though you don't agree, like fix these things, like go, go and look at these things. Like, listen, Hey, these are the things that you laid out. Got it. We'll, we'll make that happen. Like build a relationship and like make him trust you, make him, you know, <clears throat> make, make him know how valuable you are <clears throat> and all this stuff. And then from there, you can protect the people below you. You can shield them from the shit rolling too far down the hill. You, you know, you can do all these things, get them this bonus by by building this relationship with the guy. You don't have to, you don't have to like him. You don't necessarily have to trust him, but you got to work with him. You got to let him know that he can work with you. Yeah. I like that attitude too. And it's like, they've came at it from, from the great thing too. He's like, he's like, are you trying to tell me that everything in this boss's review is wrong? He's like, you're trying to tell me you're at optimal performance and there's nothing you can do at all to better improve yourself. Right. It's like, come on, that ain't true. And the guy, Jim's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like, there, there were some of those things that he said that were spot on. And they like, see, you got some common ground right there. He says, if you can accept that, then accept that and try to work on those things that you actually agree with. I was like, damn. Yeah. He's like, you know, and he kind of flipped the script too, right? He's like, you know, if you if you go and do this, he's like, just think about it. It's like, you're going to get a small victory, but st- strategically, it's a loss. And if you try to flip the script on this, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Like, and he, you know what I just had a, a thought too that I didn't think about earlier was, 
sometimes, and I wonder, I don't know if this is the case, but you ever have like the, that person that like, they're just the hardest on you. Like, you're just like, why, why are you picking on me? And it's like, later on, you find out like, I'm picking on you because I see it in you. I know you can do this. I know you can be the guy. Yeah. I, I, I've had that many times, dude. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, many times. Fuck, like, damn. Yeah. I was mad at you this whole time, but you were just looking out for me. Like, dang. Yeah. But I mean, he even goes further to say like, you know, this is like either a, a personality conflict or, you know, a clash, a clash in ideals or two people yeah. of different mindsets, whatever the case might be. Right. In this case, Jim is the default aggressive guy or whatever. And then his new boss is maybe not as confident or maybe, you know, he's got his own thing going on, too. And it's just you have this personality clash. Yeah. But, you know, you just, you know, Leif went down and broke it to him, too. And that's the other way he got. He's like, you're failing. Jim's like, what? Yeah. Yeah, you're failing to be a follower right now. And Jim's like, damn. He's like taken back. But yeah. being that kind of aggressive person, like you you don't really take failing really well. Mm-hmm. So you want to make up for it. Right. I was like, I was like ooh. I was like, ah, because I can relate to that story like a yeah. hundred times over. Because I don't like to fail either. So when someone tells me I'm failing, I'm like, no, I'm not failing, boss. I'm going I'm I'm gonna do this now. I'm I'm gonna yeah. do it the right way. I'm not yeah. failing. So I'm gonna prove how not failing I am. Let me yeah. show you how. Let, let me show you. Yeah, like that. Because that sits yeah. with me. Like that sits miles with me. When somebody tells me I'm failing, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. I'm not failing here. I'm gonna show you. Yeah. You have not of, seen my wins. Hold on a second. Let me show you. <laughs> you think when somebody points that out, you. that's kind of yeah. when that's kind of for me when I take back and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, it's hard to that hit at your ego, that hit at your pride. You're like, ooh, fuck you. I ain't failing. Hell oh, no. But then you when you take a step back, you realize like, damn, I am. Yeah. And so I like yeah, just because hey, listen, seven out of ten of these things are good. Hey, I, I'm bad at 70%. Like, I ain't failing. Like, yeah, but those other three, but that's key. That's crucial. Like. Yeah, and you gotta and, work on those. Yeah, and, and to and to have the that self awareness and that ability to detach a little and say, you know, you know, I can get better there. I am fucking up a little bit. Like, and if I clean this up, and especially in this situation, this affects my downstream team, which which is their bonuses, which is their incentives or whatever it is. That's and it's like food to feed their families. Yeah, you know? it's like I'm. My main concern is taking food out of these guys' mouths, but. And it's not coming from him necessarily. It's also coming from me. Like, shit. Yeah. And, and, and to, to, just, to realize that. And that's just kind of it. It's like, you know, I like when he puts it out there. It's like, you got to strive to have the same relationship with every boss that you work for. Whether that boss is the greatest boss in the world or whether the worst boss in the world. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you just basically got to make sure that, A, they trust you. Right? You're the yeah. go-to guy that he or she goes to when they need help. You know what I mean? And that they can provide, you know, and just make sure that you, you give them, you let them know what you need to accomplish the job. And like, and it's, it's so simple, but like at the same time, that's the hardest thing to do. It's like work for this guy that you hate. Like you clash with this person so much Mm -hmm. that it just, it like ruins your soul. Yet as a leader, if you want what's good for your team underneath you, you know, your the best chance for your team succeeding is for you to have a good relationship with your boss. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I kind of take that to heart too, man. I don't know. Yeah, no. And, and another thing, I, it's not something necessarily from this book, but from, from what I learned about this type of situation, it's like, you know, when, when somebody's pissing you off or, or, or frustrating you or whatever it is, that's you. That's your interpretation of that. 
It's your choice to be overwhelmed. It's your choice to be frustrated. It's your choice to whatever they're doing to you because they ain't doing shit to you. It's you are taking it that way. You have the choice to say, this doesn't frustrate me. This doesn't irritate me, you know, but that's hard. And to take that in and to learn that, um, there, you know, nobody can, can control you in that way. Like you have to say, I'm not going to feel like this. I'm not going to allow this person to frustrate me and whatever. It's hard. But if you can recognize that and say, <clears throat> I'm the one that's doing this, I'm the one in control of the interpretation or whatever it is, that's when you can also unlock this kind of uh, self-awareness or whatever you want to call it to, to, to broaden your, your horizon in, in, into this kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, chapter 10, mm-hmm. what was this? This yeah. is the, the war story. Uh, this one is basically just plan, but don't over plan. And yeah, this was the, this was a war story. Yeah. Um, I guess this kind of goes into two parts this is um, funny. now that I'm looking at it, but yeah. I just kind of like the first part. Cause it just, it just shows like, damn, this guy like planned for everything. So yeah. basically I guess, they were in like one of the worst places right there. It's called firecracker circle. Like mm-hmm. that's just what it's called. They're like one of the most dangerous places that you could possibly imagine. And that road or that place was known for, for IEDs popping off. And so soldiers that usually got stuck or pinned down out there just kind of had to wait it out for a while mm-hmm. before getting picked up. So knowing all of this, um, <clears throat> was it Jocko that was doing this? No, story? Leif. Oh, Leif was doing this one. Yeah. And then um, from here, he's like, he's like, yeah, I kind of went through everything, and you know, they had the standard loadout. So he had the standard loadout plus like all this extra stuff. And like, I'm just gonna read it off because like, I don't know if any of you know how much this stuff weighs, but like, it weighs a ton. Like, it weighs, it weighs a, a freaking a crap ton. Yes. So anyway, standard loadout, I think was seven rifle magazines, three pistol magazines, one radio, one antenna, one extra battery for your radio, like two frag grenades, a battle map, a flashlight, night vision goggles with a spare mount. Like I'm not even done reading the standard loadout and I'm like, damn, those are heavy. That's pretty damn heavy already. Then from there, he's like, you got a spare battery for every device, your Kevlar helmet, your Kevlar armor with the plates. With the plates in them. Plates not are heavy. To, not to mention that they were in during the day as 110 degrees Fahrenheit. And at night, even at night, it was 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, I was like, legit, like, that's your standard loadout. On top of that, he brought, this was the extra gear that he brought on every mission. He brought an extra grenade launcher attachment that goes right underneath your rifle mm-hmm. with one in the chamber and six extra grenades for that attachment. I was like, ooh. And a hundred round box of ammo, a hundred rounds, not for his gun, no, for the heavy machine gunners. He's yeah. So this yeah. wasn't just your regular standard, like rifle. This was like machine gunner ammo flares. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, like even that, like that's, that that's pretty bad. Probably okay. a good hundred <laughs> pounds or so. And then like from there, like it, for this particular mission, yeah. he added extra stuff because he thought they might get stranded for a while. So he added four extra rifle magazines on top of what he had 12 extra grenades on top of what he had a tracer round magazine, smoke grenades, three frag grenades, 
an extra radio with two extra radio batteries on top of it. And then he brought an extra, well, I think he said he normally brings like five bottles, bottles of water. Like but for this mission, he brought 12 bottles of water, which he said in water weight alone was 40 pounds and extra food. Like, dude, I was like, damn, yeah. like, just that list alone is like, dude, who yeah. is this guy? Is this guy yeah. an incredible Hulk? Cause I can't carry that. I can't right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was a funny thing. That was, that was just hilarious. Like, listening to him, he's like, and I was like, wait a minute. But if we get stuff for longer, I need more stuff. Like, and he's like, wait a minute. I need even more of this. Well, what about this? And like, what about that? And it's just funny listening to talk through it. Like, That's why, I, yeah, I love it. My back was hurting listening to him. I was like, dang, man. Like, ooh. And he goes to walk for patrol. Like, ooh. And, uh, and then from there, he's like, goes on. He's like, he said, and I should have noticed it because I had a hard time zipping up my rucksack. Yeah. Like he's like, he couldn't even close his backpack. Yeah. And then he's like, and then from there, just shouldering the weight. Like he just stood up and put it on his shoulders. He didn't even start walking. Yet. Yeah. He's like, it felt a little heavy. I was like, yeah, that's an ABC on him talking. A little heavy. My <laughs> ass. Motherfucker. Sorry. I got this. <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, I felt a little heavy. And then like he didn't know it at the time he was doing this. But he was walking with the Marines. So he said the Navy SEALs use cover and move. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of cover one position and go from one to the next. Mm-hmm. The Marines had a different tactic in which they go two guys cover and two guys sprint. They all sprint out. blocks all yes. out sprinting. So not only is he wearing all this extra crap, but now on top of that, he's got a, a sprint, which he's not even used to doing. I was like, oh, yeah. Dang. I was like, oh, and I forget what he said. It's like the crushing weight of the rock yeah. down. It's like the heavy chest beating and the yeah. sweat drenching. I was like, damn, you could just feel it from the way yeah. he was talking. I was like, oh, he's like, my glasses were fogged up so much. I had to take them off. Like, I was like, damn. <laughs> oh, it's a good thing you brought all that extra water. I'm pretty yeah, sure you right. But uh, yeah. lost ten pounds. Sweating, <laughs> you know. uh, yeah. He's saying he's just drenched in sweat. He couldn't keep up. <laughs> and then like, he said he even remembered like his SEAL training commander talking like, "If <laughs> what did he say? You're gonna, you're be, gonna stupid, be stupid. You better be strong. You better be strong." <laughs> I started laughing even more. I was like, "Yeah, this is one of those instances." But yeah. like, you know, the moral of the story is like he planned for every contingency possible, and mm-hmm. like because his gear was so much like all he could really focus on was putting one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. He had no like, you know, no situation you know, awareness, no situation awareness of what's going on yeah. around. He was unable to lead because like he was so overburdened with just the weight of his own stuff yeah. that he couldn't focus or be any good to the team at all. And like, I was like, damn, I was like, that's just like such a, that's such an important, like, it's something so simple and like a kind of funny story, but yet at the same time, right. It's like, you know, you can't plan for everything. Right. Yeah. And like a wise person once said, you, the word everything and nothing can sometimes usually actually not even sometimes can usually be interchangeable. If you yeah. plan for everything, you're actually planning for nothing at all. Right. You just kind of, kind of remember that. And it's just like, you know, it's just like, that was just one of the, the you know, because this lesson is about di- balancing the dichotomy. That was the one example that he gave where he was just kind of over planning for everything. And then in a 
And then I guess, like I said, this is like a two part war story, I guess. Mm -hmm. So the other part where he was talking about, I think he said, even in this one, they didn't talk about this story in extreme ownership about the missions that they didn't take, I guess. Oh yeah. That was kind of one of the flaws of the book. They made it seem like, you know, over planning and all this other stuff. Again, I didn't read the first book. Right. I don't really know, but Mm -hmm. And in this, in this book, they did talk about some of the missions that they didn't take. Mm-hmm. One of the missions they didn't take was because this new, um, was he special forces or something? Yeah, so special forces team. I, I don't know how new they were or how cocky or whatever it was. I don't quite remember the nuance yeah, of that, but, but yeah, it was a special forces detachment team or whatever it was. Confident and this guy yeah. was a default aggressive. Yeah. Um, had this bold plan, like we're going to drive down the main road in broad daylight. Like mm. I was like, and this road was known to have IEDs on it. Right. Like I was like, what? like suicide lane or whatever. It's like craziness <laughs> to drive down there. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. The guy was just like, and then Leif was like, what about alternate roads? But if something happens, he's like, we don't need that. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, you uh, know, this road is just, just hell on earth. Right. <laughs> yeah but we're supposed to forces like i don't i don't see the problem here <laughs> it's like what if something happens like nothing's gonna happen it's like oh jesus <laughs> you're like damn i thought i was bad this is motherfucker worse like <laughs> i know and then from there like you know that's when he was like am i missing something yeah maybe i should go to you know somebody who's been on the ground so i think they went to a national guard unit or something yeah we right? should go see the national guard uh, colonel or whatever the commander yeah. and talk to him like hey this is the guy's plan like what do you think and he's like that is literally suicide. Like, <laughs> He's like whoever's like, doing this, tell him this is dumb. <laughs> don't drive down that road. And then, and then he goes back. He's like, that's what I thought. That's, that's, that's what I thought. And he goes back to the guy. He's like, listen, hey, the National Guard colonel said this. He's like, yeah, but those are National Guard guys. We're special yeah, yeah. forces. National like, Guard. I was like, <sighs> he's like, but they got 15 months experience on the ground in the area that you're driving through. Yes. Like, no, no, no. They're, they're National Guard. Yeah. We're not going to have the same problems. They yeah. Have. Dude. Like. Um, that's just being all out cocky and arrogant yeah. and just that's know. being stupid. Yeah. Sometimes I'm guilty of that. I'm gonna raise my hand. Oh, Sometimes real. I know that to me. But same. uh <laughs> but at the same time, like that's when those times when you should have made contingency plans for mm-hmm. something that you know can possibly happen. And yeah. it's like not taking any regard or anything like that. You know, those are the one times in which like you know, it kind of pays to just kind of be humble mm-hmm. and and not be so full of overconfidence and arrogance that like you feel you're invincible to anything. Cause that's just, that's kind of where you, you know, if you don't plan for contingencies, that stuff is going to hurt you. It's going to come back to bite you in the butt. Yeah. And, and it, and it, it didn't have to be in this situation. It didn't have to be some extra, you know, extravagant plan of 45 different contingencies. If this happened and that and that and that, yeah. it just had to be a couple of little things just to take yeah. that. You said a, a second or a third, yeah, yeah. Sure. a second or third route. Yeah. They didn't have to get bogged down in details of four or five plans, you know, yeah. just a couple it's quick things. Okay. This is the main road we're going on. If this road is taken, yeah. let's try option B. If option B is taken, try option C. Option C is taken. We're pulling out. Regroup. Yeah, route. What was that? Yeah. Or right. option C could have been okay. We're going to go down the third route. I mean, we're going to go on the second route. If second round is not there, then option C is to pull out, and we're going to we're going to regroup and, and try this again. Like, yeah. 
it's know. the good thing about that whole situation story was nobody got killed even though as soon as yeah. we start driving down the road id goes off first truck is is blown up and, and then everybody's stuck there yeah and, and then and then the whole mission's over right from 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 the start and it's like we told you not to do that and like and instantly that's what happens thank god you got nobody killed like i was like and i, I think the truck was burning and something the fire and the guys were stuck inside and they had to wait for some big heavy wrecker to come and get them and it's like dang like dude like those are tougher you know especially when you're you know when you're when you're when you're confident when you're getting a lot of wins and you're gonna win after win after win you're like nothing can stop us nobody can take us down like none of this stuff you know like he talked about um we didn't really talk about it but he talked about when the guys were um they just you know win after win and like start taking their their bulletproof plates out and it's like like wait a second like what are you guys doing like but when you get in that mentality of win after win after win you start to feel like that invincibility you start to feel like that and, and i'm sure that's what it seems like those guys felt like listen we just we make shit happen all the time we don't lose and it's like i don't need to make plans to lose because we don't lose and it's like shit <laughs> get you yeah i mean it's a good place to be if you're there i mean it feels yeah. good right but at the same, same time don't don't let that be you know something that's an expectation because you know expecting you never lose is it's kind of a bad contingency plan yeah and then yeah. Uh, the consensus between the two of us, our favorite story is, <laughs> is, you know, all the stories so far, we kind of, kind of seems that it went kind of in order here from each chapter, or whatever we say this one for, for last, this was both of our, as a, like I said, as a consensus, our favorite story it's from chapter three, resolute, but not overbearing. Nice. Talking about some radios and some patches. <laughs> Something so simple yet. So meaningful. I don't, so I don't, simple. I don't know what it is about the story. It's just, there's just something about it. But is it anyway. fun? It's not like, it's not that rebellious side of you where you're like, you know, like I got this, no big deal. And it's like, yeah, I know. I hear what you're saying, but we're good. And it's like, and it comes up, bites you in the ass. And you're like, shit, <laughs> damn. Yeah. But you know, and as always, I mean, the way this chapter opens up, like I just love the way, you know, they describe the combat scenarios, yeah. right? And then you hear the sound effects with like the green lasers and the mm -hmm. smoke and the tracer rounds, sound of supersonic bullets like flying past your yeah. head, the heavy duty tanks rolling on the ground. I was like, oh, yeah, stuff, you know, just the verbatim they use. Like you hear the Ma Deuce. I was like, yeah, oh. <laughs> like fall in love with all that military genre stuff. Yeah, like I don't know. Just adds to the, I guess, the moral of the story. Is it does. It, it builds that 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 picture and that drama brings you into that scenario, and you start to feel like like you're kind of there. Like I get what you're saying in a way. I, yeah. I, I played enough Call of Duty to understand. Oh like, <laughs> Call of Duty. But anyway, um, this the chapter opens up as like the seals are in this building, and they're taking fire, mm -hmm. and like they notice that it's you know what they call blue on blue. Like it's their own tank firing yeah. onto the building in which they are in. And it's yeah. like, dude, like it's lucky it was just his machine gun and not his freaking heavy cannon. Like right. if it was full cannon, we probably would have been decimated. Right. At that point, it's like every second counts. It's like we need to get a hold of that tank operator, like right now. Yeah. Not just any tank operator. I think he said there were like 50 tanks on the ground. Something, or something. like that. that specific and he tank. To get to that specific one and tell him to stop firing right away because if he fires again, he might hit or kill any one of the guys in that squad. It was yeah. like it was like everything mattered. And at that time, he just got on there, 
he re- reprogrammed the radio to the channel that the tanks were on. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, tank operator, blah, 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 cease fire, cease fire. And like the firing stopped immediately. Right. And it was like, I was like, ooh. Oh. Like, Everybody like, got their heads. Okay, good. Okay, okay. Like, yeah. thank goodness I knew how to do that. Yeah. And like, so they kind of like flash back the story a bit. And this is kind of the purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just that um, Jocko was out there trying to <laughs> explain how important it was to reprogram the radios because he kind of been through something like this and mm-hmm. his guys hadn't been through this. So they don't really know, you know, in previous missions, it always been the radio men's job for communications. But in the fact that they're, when they're in Ramadi, the fact is that they would be broken down to such small units that not everybody would have a radio man or something like that. Yeah. With them. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, among all the rest of the crap that seals have to do to prepare for a mission, right. Yeah. Jocko mentioned it a few times. He's like, and make sure you guys know how to program your radios, you know? And it's just like, yeah. and then like being a trooper, I guess I can kind of relate to that. It's like radios, like all the stuff we got to do, like all yeah. these contingencies we got to plan for all this gear we got to pack and you yeah. You get on my ass about a radio, like seriously. Right. But that's, that's like Jocko knew that you know in that situation with the tank, like frick, that could save your life. That's yeah. the difference between life and death. Mm-hmm. So like, I you know, and again, this is kind of the part that I really like about this book is like Jocko knew, like he started asking questions. Everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like Jocko knew from the expression on their faces and like the stares that people were getting, mm-hmm. he's like, wait a minute, something's not right here. You know, I mean, just saying it blatantly did nothing. So he actually took action. And I guess, was the guy's name Biff or something? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. I don't know if that's a real guy or they just... Something like Back to the Future. This is a guy from Back to the Future. But they grabbed his radio and Jocko cleared it. He cleared the memory off the radio. He's like, Biff, reprogram this radio. And Biff's like, uh, 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 like, <laughs> like, uh yeah, um... And like, I don't know, I guess to me, I can kind of relate because when I was in junior ROTC, you know, I was in charge of a bunch of guys. So I kind of know what that's like. Mm -hmm. But I thought this was like so smooth because like he really didn't make a big deal out of it. Sure. He made an example out of the guy. Right. But yeah, he had to yell and scream and go on a tirade for 25 minutes about why. Yeah. About why. He's just like, all right. Okay. He, He went to the radio. He's like, Biff, there's a radio guy. You two get together, make sure Biff knows how to reprogram his radio. And then he's like, he pulled that, you know, and then he's like, for all of you else out there, make sure you know how to reprogram your radio. If nobody knows how to do it on next mission, you know, it's like, I like, I thought that was like really smooth on his part. Like this, it was a way to like make an example yet at the same time, not make an example. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't like demeaning or whatever you know it, it was it was done tactfully like listen this is important like i know you don't get it and if you don't want to get it then you can stay behind and it's like for seals it's like they all they want to do is go get some you know what i mean it's like wait wait, we we can't leave if we don't know how to program this radio like fuck that we'll get this shit done by lunch <laughs> yeah. you worry about that? like you're gonna go get some like hell no <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, it's like, jock was just you know you know, knowing knowing when to hold the line and what was important, and what was not important. So I guess the, the the basis of this whole chapter in the story, like what's important, and like understanding that and conveying that in a way that makes it happen. And Jocko was so smooth about doing that. 
Yeah. And then, you know, then the preface, you know, the way the story started was that saved countless lives, you know, in just that story alone, you know, who knows how many other situations they never talked about that they needed to reprogram radios to, to, yeah. you know, yeah, do direct different. communication with right. whoever it was. Right. It's like, yeah, where every second counts, right? Like, right. you never know when that's going to be. And you, you ain't got a radio in near you. It's like, damn, what do I do? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what to do. You yeah. reprogram the radio. Get this shit done. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, damn. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I kind of like, again, I like the way that Jocko just experienced grace under fire on that and just, he just like set the example real quick yeah. and everybody knew it. They got it immediately yeah. because him constantly badgering them. He knew that, you know, Hey, I'm doing the same thing. It's not having an effect on them. I need yeah. to switch it up. I need to yeah. do something so that these guys get it. Right. And like, I just thought that was brilliant. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> yeah. And in the second half of that story, which is kind of fun. It's like the same lesson, but it's a little more fun. It's like, I guess, I don't know um, if anybody's never been in the military and stuff. They, it's kind of like this fun little sense of pride kind of thing where, where everybody they design these patches and you go get them sold and stuff. And there's some really fun and cool stuff I've seen. And it's really fun. And, and, and the seals, I guess, are really, I guess, notorious, whatever, for the things that they had, they had made and done and all these different things. And Jocko was like, listen, we, we, we can't go out there looking, looking crazy and foolish. And these pe- people are going to, you know, be like, you know, see us and see all these crazy patches on us and stuff and on our uniforms. And it's like, we, we can't have none of that. Like we gotta, we gotta cut it. We gotta come in there. Show these guys are professional. So you guys, you know what, you know, what we know how to do. And it's really, yeah. really, I don't know, really interesting how they, <clears throat> how they went through me, that. I just, I look at the whole Hollywood genre of like Navy SEALs and stuff. Yeah. And the, in the movies, you always like, you see your regular standard uniform for the regular standard soldier. Mm-hmm. And then like you see the special forces guys roll up and like, they're wearing like half civilian clothes, yeah, half army clothes. They got right. like, you know, and like I said, they got like these, these funny patches with like very inappropriate, like freaking movie quotes on them or whatever the case might be. So I don't know what it was like back then, but I mean, apparently you have a uniform and apparently, you know, they had been slack with these patches for so long. I mean, um, I, I, I bet they were probably hilarious. I'm sure Jocko understood that they were. I think Jocko awesome. said that like, yeah. there was some funny shit out there. Like he's like, I get that they're funny. Yeah, he's like, I get it. He says, but they're not going to help us build uh, relationships with the conventional forces we're working with. And like, I guess as a leader, that's the other thing that you kind of got to look at. It's like, okay, these patches build morale for our troops, and that's kind of what we've been doing. But when we look at the bigger picture you know, how are we as special forces setting the example of being a soldier if we're not in uniform? Right. You know what I mean? And it's just something, I guess, as simple as that, yet it's a bit complicated. Uh, it's a bit complex. I don't know. Sorry, I'm losing my voice. No, so you can continue the story. <clears throat> I think they went no. out or something one day, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, director from Jocko's like, get rid of the patches. And everybody's like, Sounds good. All right, we get it. We understand, like, why. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, so then, Nathan and stuff, before they go out, they're like, ah, man, we need something for, like, our unit, like, just for, like, tasking a bruiser, like, we need something to show what's up. And then him and his buddy are like, yeah, we do. Like, let's make this shit, but you can't tell Jocko. Like, yeah, we can't tell Jocko. Nothing. And so they yeah. go on and make, <laughs> they have a good time. And, and you feel, like, you can feel, like, the, the like, yeah, you know, that little, like, um, you know, mom and dad's away, kind of like vibe. Like we're gonna go do this stuff, and nobody's gonna find yeah. out. It's gonna be awesome, and 
you know? And so they go and they make these patches and they get them just in time before deployment. And they're like, yeah, look at this little secret thing. They have this little fun little secret they have, you know? And some of them were all nauseous. One of them was like fucking big balls in cow town or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? That's crazy. And, and then There's I think the other, one, the other one from the uh, Lord Humongous from, from Mad Max, Road Warrior. And it said like, yeah. um, um, the, the Autolus of Rock and Roller, something like that. Like, I was like, damn, those pretty. Oh, you didn't watch Road Warrior? I've never seen that, so I don't understand the reference there, but. My bad. That's, that's actually a pretty good movie. You should check that out. The Mel Gibson one, though. Mel Gibson, yeah. okay. But uh, yeah, but I mean, I think they went on further to say that, I mean, they did have those outrageous things on them, but I think they did say bruiser, bruiser unit on, on top yeah, of Yeah, Tuskegee bruiser or whatever. Yeah, they were like, yeah. I, I guess they were well done to not be offensive and look professional and show team unity and cohesion and whatnot. And everybody had the same thing and, and everything. And then there was their little, their little secret, right? Because it's like, you know, they, they always kept it in, in their shoulder pocket. Yeah, and it's like as soon as they get in the Humvees, and you know, as soon as you're just yep. a little far enough away from Jocko, like, it's like on, and everybody's like, <laughs> you know, they put the patches, like, stick them on, dude, like yeah, that's what yeah. it, I yeah. like. And it's you can just feel like I can just I can just imagine myself in this thing, like yeah, look at that, woohoo! Like you don't know what the hell we're doing, we're having a good time, like you know, just, I can just see like the fun and the giddiness of it. But that's the thing, right? The morale and building that team camaraderie and all of that. That's yep. the point of the patch. That's the point of the whole thing, right? And then, and then, and it's funny that like whenever we're gonna get caught, like we're so good at this, like this is awesome. Yeah. And the Jocko's never gonna find out. And then, and then all of a sudden, like there's this uh, journalist that goes along with them, starts taking pictures of them, and they right. get back and they see the pictures, and they's like, "Shit!" <laughs> He's like, "Damn it!" You can see all of us with our patches on, and yep. that's not authorized. It's and Jocko's looking at the pictures, doesn't say nothing. Lace like. Like wait, wait! I know he's even here. He's like, right. I waited, and I didn't hear anything. Yeah, and then he's like, I waited another day. Yeah, and I still didn't hear anything. He's like, I was yeah. expecting the wrath of John right. to come down. Like, damn. Yeah, but that's but, like, that's the thing. Like when you're in, like you remember as a kid, you're in trouble, and you're like, your parents don't really say nothing, and you're like, you know, they know, and you're just waiting. Yeah, <laughs> waiting. Like, damn, I'm in fucking trouble. They can't even figure out how much trouble I'm in. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's funny but then nothing happened it's like alright like, I see you know, whatever and it's like this is cool I yeah, guess like, okay like, and, and then it's like alright we're gonna still keep the same tradition though make sure that you know when we're around here we're not doing it yeah. but it's like Jocko understood like I know why you guys did this I know why you're doing it you're good about not keeping them on around base so we're not you know and we're not we're not showing this you know this disrespect or these different things you know to the other other service members and whatever. And on top of that, all the other ludicrous patches that they had went yeah. away. We're gone. Now right. they all had the same like unofficial patch, same thing. Yeah, but official patch of right. their masculine bruiser, mm-hmm. and like it was just kind of like an unsaid thing. He never really cleared the patches. Right. But he never really said that they weren't clear. Right. So like there's that gray area. Yeah, yeah exactly. But then yeah. it became this like token or symbol of like tasking yeah. the bruiser. Like, dang, dude, they gave me one of those patches. Like, dang, I did something really good. Like it became yeah. like that, you know, that reward or that that thing. Like, damn, look what I got from these yeah. guys. I think they said like a few key commanders and personnel, like yeah. who were, you know, key key elements and missions. Like they yeah. actually handed those patches out and gave them to those to those commanders. Like mm-hmm. I was like, damn, that's actually you know, so now something that was 
you know, said to be outrageous and I guess, you know, not part of standard SOP. Unprofessional. Unprofessional. It now kind of became something that's like, hey, this is tasking a bruiser's patch. And like right. now that they're digging it out, it's like, oh, dang, like this actually means something now yeah. instead of something that's just, you know, thrown out there just so that they can be rebels. Like, yeah, does it bestow this high honor upon somebody? Like, damn, some SEAL gave me their, their, their team unit bruiser patch. Like, and I'm sure people felt like this is some official thing, you know, like this is from yeah. them. Only this, this squad wears these patches. Like, wow. Yep, for sure. And it, and again, it brought them closer together as a unit, like that whole exercise itself. Like, and that's what Jocko understood. Like, I, this is something I, I don't, I, there's no reason to push back. Like, this is, this is a good thing. The, the, the underlying point was been taken. They got rid of the nonsense. And then something like the radio is like, listen, this is something I do got to hold the line. I do got to set the standard and keep the standard because this is, something important. Yeah. You're missing the value here. You're missing the importance of it and knowing your life. Right. Right. Versus knowing the difference versus wearing patches is not going to necessarily save your life, right. but it will help you get along better with other, with other soldiers and other right. units. You know? Yeah. So, so that's the core story is just, you know, like this whole book, everything in here is, is not being on the end of the end of the barbell or the dumbbell staying in the center, knowing when to not yeah. be here, when to hold the line, when to, when to leave, when to follow, like all these different things. Like yeah. it's just a really fun and f- great story. Not, and I'm not sure if this was mentioned in the first book, but I particularly like this story in particular because they bring out this term called leadership capital. Oh, right. I don't remember that being in the first book, but it's possible. Yeah. But, but yeah, but for me, when I saw that here, I was like, damn, I was like, they actually create a word for it. And the word itself kind of just makes you think about it a little bit. It's like, mm-hmm. as a leader, you only have so much authority. Yeah. It actually limits, right? It makes it find out how much authority you actually have. So as a leader, you have to be careful how you spend, right? Your capital. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you spend it unwisely on dumb things like patches, fucking cell phones, like, like, people are not going to take you seriously versus spending your capital on something important. That's like a radio that can actually save your life. Like, and that's kind of like, to me, I was like, damn, that's actually a pretty smart way of putting it. Like, you know, and this isn't something that's grown over time. You got a lot of people out there. It's like, Oh, respect must be given. Like, hell no. Any true leader knows that respect is earned slowly and it's learned over time and it's built with trust. And if you break that trust, like it's going to cost you a lot to get that back. Yeah. It's almost impossible to ever get trust back. It's really hard. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, you know, so don't spend that leadership capital foolishly. You got to figure out why and what's mm-hmm. most important and not just do it because I said so. Because when you say that, oh, because I said so, or you pull that rank, that weak form of leadership, you're just using up your leadership capital in unwise ways. Like, I don't know. That's just my opinion. Maybe I don't know. No, yeah, I agree. Cause I mean, if you've ever been around and work for somebody that that's always every little thing um, from the things that don't matter to the things that matter, you can't tell like 
Like, is yeah. this something important? Is this something I should prioritize? It's like, you bitch about everything. I have no fucking clue what's important or not important. What matters or not doesn't matter. Like, do I need to tighten this bolt? Like, I don't know. You just constantly are complaining about things and, and knowing. Yeah. And, and did you get the memo yeah. about those STP reports? You got to get them on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to need you on Saturday. Uh <laughs> Oh goodness. But that's Sorry. true. I mean, if you I don't know if you, you know movie reference, but anyway. Yes. It's okay. But I don't know if you've ever worked for somebody or or at least seen it. It's like it's tough yeah. to know. And then you just eventually tune them out. It's like everything that comes in your mouth is some crap ass nonsense that I don't need to focus on. I yeah. can't expend my mental energy and effort in listening to your next complaint. Yeah, right. it's like it's like the boy who cried wolf. It's like you right. can't you can't sit there and cry wolf about every single little thing because when a when the wolf actually does come, like, you know, you gotta be serious about that. I'm one. always listening. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel it. I yeah. Feel it. Any, anything else? I think we ran through all of, all of our highlight stories. There's many, yeah. oh, much, yeah, much more. Picked a handful. You know, like I said, there's 12 chapters, two story, or actually sometimes more than two stories per chapter. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll have like two war stories, um, you know, so, you know, it's a great book. Yes. Teaches you a lot, gives you a lot of examples. Um, and I, I, really, I rather enjoy it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's from my side, that's about it. Anything else? Anything you didn't like? Anything? Uh, you know, possibly, maybe, you know, again, I'm not trying to toot my horn or brag about <laughs> shit. Say I'm a good leader. Maybe. I don't know. But I, I, you know, they do give a lot of examples in this book about, you know, how to balance each dichotomy, which is good. Um, but in my, in my personal opinion, like it's, it's very hard to teach how to balance, like not saying the book doesn't do any justice on that. I'm just, I'm just saying like, as a good leader out there, they mention it, good leaders are few and far between. Mm -hmm. And I think a good reason to that is like, you know, a good leader understands that balance better than anything else. And maybe I'm one to believe that that's not something that's taught. I think that's something that you're born with in an, in an eight born leader, but maybe that's my biased opinion because I was born that way. Well, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My ego talking, but I just think that that's, that's very hard to teach most people. Don't get me wrong. This book does a great, great job and gives many examples that I think a lot of people can learn from. Awesome. But, you know, I, I do think that some people are born with, with more talent than others, possibly, maybe. I don't know. Opinion bias. Confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, I see where you're coming from there. Uh, I, would, I would go to say that, you know, the people that are born with these attributes, qualities, whatever, they have an easier time grasping, learning, implementing. This is true. I, I think everybody has the ability to learn. I think everybody has the ability to find the balance. If you wish to find the balance, the, to me, the first part is recognizing that I'm out of balance and I need to find balance. Then you can start to, to, to do things, to learn, to, to role play, to train and do these things to, to center yourself in each of the areas that you're, you're out of whack. Um, and, and like everything in life, you know, there's guys that are naturally gifted athletes that don't don't practice as much as the next guy, but still achieve the highest level versus the guy that never leaves the practice field that's just as good as him. Like those things I think apply here as well. 
you can. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll be in agreement with you that everybody can improve. Yeah. Even though you aren't born with the stuff, you definitely can become better than you are now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know and I mean? maybe it's harder for you than the next guy. And that's fine. You just got to recognize it. Like, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not as gifted and talented here. I got to work a little harder, but that's okay. Cause I'm willing to work harder because I know. And I definitely think that people can be the best that they can be. You know yeah. what I mean? You can't compare yourself mm-hmm. to Michael Jordan right. basketball. Like right. you got to compare yourself to you. I can only be Kobe Bryant. That's <laughs> God. <laughs> but you can definitely be better than you were yesterday. Yes. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. You can definitely improve yourself by 1%. Yes. Yes. Know? And it, sometimes that's all it takes. And this book is a good way to get you there yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like, like Grant was saying that 1%, I mean, just think about if you got 1% better every month, you'd be a 12% better person, leader, follower, you, yeah. you're going to stand out so far from the crowd. Like it's, it's, it's going to blow your mind. For sure. And then something you discovered. Yeah. I have, I have the, the book. I got this from Amazon on pre-order. Uh, what we discovered listening to audiobook and then re and then going through the physical book was there was more to the audiobook. Yes. So I mean, at the end of the sound effects and yeah, all of that stuff, there were two, um, additions in there, right? Yeah. I guess we can call them poems or verses, whatever it was that Jocko wrote. Um, yeah. it's not in the, the regular standard, standard book. Yes. If you get the Barnes and Noble, there's an exclusive version. So make sure you get the exclusive version. There's on the bottom of it. I know uh, for the podcast people, the bottom left is a little like yellow golden tag that says exclusive edition. In there yeah. is the written version of Memorial Day and winning at all costs. In um, I had the I got the Google Books audio version. You got the Audible. Yeah, I have the Audible, and both so, of them have it. Yeah. Both of them have it in the audio version. As yeah. I don't know about any other services, but those two we can confirm. Uh, and then if you want those excerpts, get the Barnes and Noble exclusive edition. If not, the regular book is the same, or you can jump in the audio version and listen to the end of that. And I think those are really awesome. Both of yeah, those. they're amazing poems. The yeah, one we poem, we got a link. Right? We got yeah. A link. Yeah. The, the Memorial day, there's a YouTube link. I will put that in the show notes that okay. winning at all costs. I could not find any version that wasn't in the audio book or the exclusive edition okay. so you'll have to do one of those two if you'd like to learn about what that is if between now and then i find that i will put it in the show notes yeah. but any any those are two little nuggets that we kind of found we kind of stumbled into them in a way um so, so it happens that we got i got the audio book we both got the audio book yeah. we noticed the difference so right yeah there's well, kind of a lucky accident. I think, I think it's good information for people to know. I was, I, I kept going through the back of the book. Like there's something missing. Where are the endings? Yeah. So we figured that out and uh, giveaway. If you're listening to this and it's still March, uh, this should air with a few days left of March. You can get into the healthy eating giveaway that's being put on by Dr. Fitness USA. If not head over to the social community show slash pick me, Find out the giveaway we're giving out for whatever month it is and timing you're watching this. We try to put together a lot of great resources and things that help you guys get along with, you know, different areas of your life that we, we can come across, help you learn, grow, be a better person, be a better leader, whatever it is. Uh, we've done this book giveaway before, something that can come up again or different things along those lines. If you're interested in this book and or 
uh, extreme ownership. Uh, there'll be links to those books and little um, summaries of each book uh, on the show notes. Also, we'll link to Jocko has Echelon Front. It's a leadership um, company has uh, Echelon Front offers unmatched solutions in leadership, strategy, innovation, safety, and risk management, team building, and crisis development. And <clears throat> crisis management developed and proven in combat. Uh, we'll link to that if you're interested in that for your organization or whatever it is. Also, they take They've taken that Echelon Front concept that they normally do live trainings in. They have now a video uh, version. It's called EF Online. I will link to that as well. It is those trainings that they've been doing for all these years. They've now condensed them into a video format. So individuals or organizations can take this um, on a larger scale. Uh, If you haven't, if you don't listen to Jocko podcast, I think it's pretty awesome. Um, He does a lot of of war books, a lot of stuff on leadership and things. Uh, he, he talks to and interviews veterans. It's really fun. You can check it out, jockopodcast.com. Like I said, I'll link to Memorial Day. And then also, when I was looking around um, for, for things about this book, I came across this episode on History Channel. Uh, it's, it's, about, it's from chapter nine. It's about some of chapter nine. It's called Charlie Platoon and the Story of Mark Lee. I'll link to that if you're interested in watching it. It's a really good episode and, and, and kind of talks about that laser story and we were talking about earlier it's that is part of that episode in that in that thing there anything else um you wanted to highlight about the book ransom or anything i think we're good man perfect 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 and then this week's challenge identify your imbalance which dichotomy do you struggle with we challenge you to take a hard look at yourself and find a way to balance the scale leading and following, focusing and detaching, disciplined, not tyrannical. Find a balance between the extremes. With balance, you will be able to find and achieve victory. Yeah. And with the final thoughts, just kind of remember that any good solid team or uh, that you work in, you're going to find that any member of that team can step up and be a leader at any time. So being a great leader at any level is important. For those of you that are born with the talent, you're confident, you're small, smart, default aggressive, it's going to come all too easy for you. But just remember that you guys are few. And remember to stay humble and to keep that good fight. And even for those of you people that are at the bottom of the totem pole with the least seniority, right, that means that you're going to have to follow for a little bit. But there's going to come a day sooner than you think when you're going to have that opportunity to step up and, and lead. Uh, so just kind of remember those things and just remember the great leaders at any level are important. I want you to go out there and make it happen. And if you're looking to help with, you know, your friend, coworkers, organization with developing better leadership, better following and all these different types of things, share this episode with them, share the books with them, share the resources with them. You guys can also, you know, Support the show with the best way possible, sharing this episode, liking, leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts and other different things. You guys can follow us all week long at the Social Chameleon Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. For past episodes and links to everything we've talked about here today, you guys can visit the thesocialchameleon.show. Until next time, keep learning, growing, and transforming the person you want to become.